to if it was possible to get a screener. I didn't realize that you guys are still in the belly of the beast. Yeah, we're we're actually sort of uh, the tail end of birth, mm-hmm. um, to uh, stay with the metaphor. But um, uh, the movie is is pretty much done. Yeah, uh, we've been working on it for a long time, and uh, we uh, have our world premiere at the South by Southwest Film Festival mm-hmm. in, in mid March. Um, but obviously, uh, the film involves the trial, yeah. um, and I needed to wait for that to be over, and then I wanted wrap-up uh, discussion on that. That's really what I'm grabbing now, but the film is, is, pretty, is actually over, uh, but it's not finaled. Yeah. Well, you, do you, why, why, why did you give yourself such a uh, hard deadline? I mean, obviously, you wanted to, to make it out in time for South by Southwest. No, I mean, it wasn't for the festival. It was, um, it was the story that I'm telling was primarily about, you know, the, the rise and fall of the Silk Road, yeah. uh, the arrest um, of Ross Ulbricht. And uh, I knew um, what the trial schedule was, mm-hmm. and I knew that I would have um, the verdict. Mm. Um, and so I, I uh, you sort of always want to give yourself, you know, kind of hard boundaries to work with, and especially on a doc like this that's work happening in real time. Because yeah. although I mean, I could shoot this for the next ten yeah, years, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so I sort of gave myself a hard out, knowing that that would that would sort of force my hand to focus on the story that I felt mattered the most mm-hmm. and uh, keep us from getting lost in the weeds. So um, it actually worked out fine, and uh, and had frankly, you know, had there been. Uh, some some issue with the trial had it had they you know yeah. gone down and adjourned and you know we're going to pick this up again in three months and you know uh, some sort of grave or shocking turn of events I would have I would have stopped and yeah. addressed them but uh, you know and I told everyone at the South by Festival that they would either have a finished movie or an unfinished mm-hmm. movie and and you know it was very nicely they they love what they had seen so far and uh, knew that I may open it back up um, but as it happens I don't need to do that. That's a, that actually is, would kind of be a, a, an exciting perspective, actually, uh, you know, going to the festival and realizing that, you know, that, was, that it's still happening, that like we weren't that we weren't able to finish this film because we're still we're still right in the middle of it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's you know, it happens. They show works in progress. Yeah. I went through the same thing on Downloaded, which, of course, was an historical film. So, it yeah, was, oh, it was yeah, well yeah, over. Yeah. I mean, the bodies buried and were already popping sure. flowers up before sure. I started shooting it. Yeah. But um but even in that case, they had wanted that film early, um, and I actually waited a whole year for them uh, so that I could get certain aspects of it done that mm. I felt needed to get done uh, more completely. In this case, I've been on this a long time. Um, I know, you know, I know exactly what story I want to tell, mm-hmm. and um, and I knew narratively where the trial was going to fit. So uh, it worked out okay. Overall, is it? I mean, did you find it to be a? a, a harder experience that, that you're actually working with a, a live story as it's, as it's ongoing. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in some cases, obviously, you know, these people are still around, they're still, they're still talking about it. They're, they're fielding interviews and things like that. So you're just sort of a, a, a part of that. But you know, in, in, in the other case, if people have 10 years distance between them and the story, they're more likely to tell that story. Yeah. I think that, that, you know, it was really the inverse of downloaded where, you know, um, it was funny because with downloaded, I actually came onto that, that project mm-hmm. originally while Napster was still going. Yeah. So I was fully intended to tell the Napster story in 2002. Mm. Uh, that's when I met Sean Fanning and embedded myself in the Napster company. And, um, and I was working on a narrative. Mm. I had sold it to Paramount and I was writing it as a narrative over there. And, um, and it, went a tur- it never got off the ground. It went at a turnaround. And, you know, so it was funny. Um, with, with Downloaded, I realized uh, that it really benefited from that time. Hmm. Um, it benefited from that time because the world kind of caught up to technology. Because mm-hmm. in 2002, nobody but, like, you know, cypherpunks and 20-year-olds sure. knew how to plug their computer. I was, in a, I was in a dorm room while that was happening. Yeah, so, yeah, so you're, per- you're <laughs> prime yeah. age. So yeah. they, they knew what it was and, you know, and people who were super tech savvy mm-hmm. knew what it was. But, you know, the, quote, grown-ups yeah. uh, didn't really understand yeah. it at all. So th- that story really benefited from some mm. time and, and letting things kind of settle into, you know, jobs, doing what he did with yeah. Apple and all that, changing the landscape. Um this is sort of the opposite for me. You know, this is a story about the media's response to technology mm-hmm. stories. It's about the government and the media's response to um, to what they view as cybercrime. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's as much about the response to to the Silk Road as it is about the Silk Road. Yeah. So um, it was sort of uh, you know a, a a an important part of my storytelling that it be happening in real time, but but. 
to answer your question, it, it's insanely challenging, and um, you know, and we really had to hold our ground and 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 at the same time be flexible as categorical aspects of the story change. Mm-hmm. We had to follow yeah. them. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, I, I was I was actually going to ask you that. I mean, you know, it, it it went down the way it went down, and I guess ostensibly there are two ways it, it could have gone down. You know, on a very very uh, abstract level. But um, were you? I assume that the the movie is largely built up to this point, you know, and, and you've and you and you've you've kind of you know you've you've pieced it together up to the point where the where the trial happens, and and again, this is assuming that happens relatively chronologically. But are, are were there major aspects that you had to shift or were expecting to have to shift based on what the, the outcome was? Um, yes, I mean, frankly, uh, uh, the the story examines. Um, a lot of the the complexity behind mm-hmm. this case, uh, most of which doesn't get, for obvious reasons, broadcast in sure. the news because the news doesn't tend to broadcast gray. They yeah. tend to broadcast black and white, understandably. Right? And, and in five minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah with the, with little bite sized chunks and especially Tor Bitcoin. Sure, sure. You know, cryptography. Yeah. Not exactly the easiest, quickest thing to tell a story yeah. about. Um, so I always intended to tell a story of something that was that had more shades of gray than was being reported, mm. so that no matter what the outcome was, you would have this feeling like, oh, I see, it's going to go this way mm-hmm. when it should have gone that way, or conversely, oh, it's going to go that way mm. when it should have gone this way, because it's a polarizing yeah. story, and some people are, are really um, who have followed this story are really firmly of the belief that. Um, that there is much, you know, the question of how many DPR, Dread Pirate Roberts there may have been, yeah. how many people it takes to actually build and run an organization like this. Could it possibly have been one guy who didn't know anything about coding? Um, you know, how Bitcoin actually works, how Tor works, whether the deep web or the darknet specifically yeah. is really this cesspool of crime or whether it's mostly, you know, being used by human rights organizations. Uh-huh. So you've got those guys. And then you've got the guys over here just going, the darknet is bad. Drugs. It, it's, it's filled yeah. with drugs and child yeah. pornography. Yeah. Oh, my God, this guy, Ross Ulbricht, is the Antichrist. We, we have to put his head on our wall as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, and of course, they were hungry for blood and, and hoping for the outcome that that they got. Um, and then there's all different kinds of people in the middle going, sure. "Well, I'm not entirely sure what yeah, the yeah, truth yeah. is," and there may be truth on both sure. sides, you know. Um, so to to that end, it, the movie wasn't really so reliant on did he get a guilty verdict mm. or or an innocent verdict, because the movie is about regardless of what verdict yeah. he got, there's still more to the story than we're probably ever going to know. But nar- but narrative wise, that has to be a really important part, right? I mean, you 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 sort of you've got your central figure you're telling the story of his life you're telling in some ways you know the way the ways there's there's got to be a little bit of human interest there to keep people involved so i assume that the way it comes down has some reflection on that oh oh, i see what you're saying yeah of course um i I think i may have mischaracterized it it's all about human interest okay i mean it's it's sort of the it's the whole point is that we show these people as people without judgment and without sort of a partisan label Mm. you know they're good they're bad they're people yeah. Right. Here's what we know about them. Here's what you may not. Here's what you may not know about yeah. them. Um, here's what we know about their parents. Here's this extraordinarily interesting human interest story yeah. about you know Kirk and Lynn. I mean, this family is is insanely mm. closely knit. Mm. They were insanely closely knit through the entire period that supposedly yeah. the Silk Road robe was online. And they, they were shocked. They, right? were, they were with Ross all yeah. the time. They, they took trips together. This is a family that did everything mm-hmm. as a unit. Um, and then you've got this woman, Lynn, who. Obviously, she cares about her son. Yeah. Obviously, she wants to be there for her son. But beyond that, this is a typical woman of that age who couldn't plug her phone into her computer, sure. who now knows how Tor works, yeah. how Bitcoin works, how PGP works, yeah. and not only how those things work, but what are the digital, what are the ethics, and what are the are the the issues, the prevailing issues, the constitutional ith- issues, the basic ethical issues, the sort of human rights issues around the digital age, regardless of the, the Silk Road mm-hmm. market, regardless, frankly, of what happens to Ross. Yeah. Obviously, that's her primary sure. interest. But that's a, an incredible human interest story that yeah. I didn't see coming before I got involved. Was it was it that they were? I mean, in, in a sense, of, as a filmmaker, they, the parents were more accessible. I think it was. It was uh, well. Obviously, they were accessible. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that they understood. They had seen downloaded. They're from Austin. Mm. Um, I think other people in the tech community had, and I didn't. I didn't sell myself. Like I didn't come. I I tend to to take very light footsteps with people. Mm. Um, sort of the way I get exclusivity is by giving them is by giving them full 
um, rights to do whatever they want. Hmm. To not, I don't demand any exclusivity. That's the way I get trust. And so I had told Lynn and Kirk completely honestly from the beginning, talk to everybody. Talk to as many people. Talk to every doc, yeah. every movie, everybody you want. Um, get your story out there by all means. But I think that they understood that the story I was t- interested in telling um, was a, a, a sort of a comprehensive examination of where we are as a culture right now mm-hmm. and sort of the wheels of the system and how this, that system is responding to the threat of technology um, in many, many ways. And not again, not to say it's all good, it's all bad. Sure. They're not out there trying to say the Silk Road was great yeah. or that people should be buying drugs online. Yeah. Um, so they knew that I was going to tell all sides, but I think they got that I was in, I was genuinely interested in the the sort of more activist component of what they had to say. It's I mean it sounded like you know the the way the way you were breaking it up earlier. I mean it sounds like you've got a little little more empathy at least for for you know the people on the side uh, uh, that are. Um, you know, sort of exploring the subtle nuances versus the media, as you know, as, as, as people as people freaking out. I mean, did, did you did did you you must have come into it with with some biases as far as the story was concerned? Yeah, yeah, I think that I did. I think that 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 the biases I had was was intense skepticism, mm-hmm. and not about whether Ross was guilty or yeah. innocent because I don't know that. Yeah. Right, I wasn't there. I didn't live inside an encrypted drive. Right. Um, but skepticism about the way the story was being told by the media mm-hmm. and by the law, by and by the government for the most part, and frankly, I understand why the government's telling the story that way. That's sure. they have a motive to tell yeah. the story that way, and yeah. that's their belief. And the same way I feel about the prosecution. Of course, the prosecution mm-hmm. is going to get up and say that's their job. Yeah, they're yeah. good. They're good at their job. Yeah. That's why they did that, right? Where I end up, where I have a problem, and I had the same issue with the Napster story is is the incredibly knee-jerk and mm. lazy, somewhat clickbait-oriented way yeah. that the media will just regurgitate prosecutorial narrative, mm-hmm. um, which in the Napster case was maddening because it was just so wrong, um, and I chalked it up in those days to just a lack of understanding mm-hmm. about how yeah. peer-to-peer technology works. I hate to say 15 years later, we're still getting articles in the New York Times about free culture. They still don't get it, and that's just depressing and, and pathetic. To, 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 be, to be fair, you know, the, 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 the technology has gotten a lot more complex, so it has been, in a lot of ways, hard, harder. For, there's, there's a lot more nuance, I think, than there was at least that's a whole my, conversation. Yeah, but, yeah. But, I would argue not, but okay. that's but, a separate but, I, but I guess, I guess, I guess what I'm saying, um, you know, as, as somebody who's been on the side of, you know, granted, I don't work for Fox News. You know, I was working at Engadget for the past three years, and that's a different, uh, different, different case. But I do, I guess, I do sort of understand a um, again this need to get things out really, really fast, and that's that's the only attention span that people have, and and and, and be like, and this is probably something I'm guessing this is something you grappled with is is how much. How much handholding do you need to do, especially in the in the case of a story like this, where um, you know it was it, it was crowdfunded? So clearly, you've got people with a certain amount of knowledge who are going to be you know c- coming out and and watching the movie. Uh, but you still have to go through. You still have to explain uh, what what Bitcoin is, and you still have to explain you know what what Tor is and what what all these things are. I mean that that has to be a piece of of the storytelling. It is, yes. Yeah. Um, you know the story is. Uh, uh, and this sort of, you know, is a long way around answering your question, yeah. too. It was a long question. So. Yeah, the, the story, <laughs> um, my interest in this story goes back to my original, you know, interaction with the with the Internet, which mm-hmm. is in the late 80s. And I was, you know, very big into the BBS and News Group era. I first started dealing with encrypted email in probably 1989. Um, I met people on the in the alt-rec sort of world that were creating um, offshoot um, uh, news groups that were, were encryption only. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they were for um, everything from sort of human rights oriented stuff, um, outreach of various kinds, uh, different kinds of abuse outreach. And I was writing a script at the time mm. that dealt with some of these aspects. It even dealt with some of the, what was going on in the drug world. Uh, it was around 1990, and I was meeting guys. Uh, and probably gals that didn't know who they were, talking only through encryption. They were moving enormous amounts of drugs around the mm. world uh, using uh, uh, newsgroup uh, and uh, various forms of, of chat online with heavy encryption. And this is 1990, 91, yeah. right? So, you know, I, I first saw this world then and, you know, and gained an interest in the cypherpunks and mm. sort of watched the, the evolution and saw the connection to me from, you know, Eric Hughes 
absolutely to people like Sean Fanning and Sean Parker, who, when they were like 15-year-old yeah. hackers, yeah. creating communities online, their interest. The Napster blog, guys. Exactly, yeah. the Napster guys. You know, through to Assange, Jacob Applebaum, mm-hmm. Arab Spring, Snowden, um, and the Silk Road, the Dread Pirate Roberts. And the sort of what was interesting, this full circle for me, was that, you know, the dark net is just a much wider, bigger version of the alt-rec mm. world from the, from the late 80s, early mm-hmm. 90s. It, it looks the same. The language is the same. The chat forms are the same. It, it, it was like it went mm. away for a while, and it came back like this yeah. giant tsunami. Um, so I was really interested in the, in the sort of in tracking some of that history, too. I don't spend a lot of time in the movie, but I do sort of spend time in Act 1 bringing us up to mm. speed with how we got here and who these people are and how this is not about drugs, just like Napster wasn't about getting Madonna tracks for free. This is about yeah. a movement of people with a very specific ideology and a desire to unify the world through technology, and that's been going since the earliest days of the internet. Do, do, what what sort of foreknowledge do, do you kind of t- take for granted on, on the part of the, the audience that's actually watching it? And you have to you have to decide at one point like where where to start. You have to decide you know how much technology somebody. Uh, and, and again, this is probably just a broad assumption on my part, but um, I, I'm imagining that most of the people who are going to find their way to to this film have some base level of internet knowledge. I think some to none is what I'm coming at it with. And so okay. my, my point is that, you know, and maybe, and maybe this is, um, is, you know, naive, but my point is that this is a story about human beings. Sure. A- absolutely. It's yeah. about people. It's about a very specific group of people. I mean, my film has, is like a narrative. It has a very set cast of characters. Mm-hmm. It has a very set act one, two, and three. It's very much centered around these people and their journey. And it's mostly a journey of discovery, yeah. including my own. Um, sort of, I'm included in this journey of like, oh, this thing called the Silk Road. What is that? Oh my God, they're really moving a lot. Mm. Uh, uh, there's an enormous amount of members on this thing. There's an enormous amount of community on this thing. You know, some it's the Reese's peanut butter thing of somebody combined Tor and Bitcoin and Hallelujah, yeah. they struck gold, and that ain't going away. That's the beginning of something. So really, all you need to know is is so you need to understand those generalities yeah. that by combining a cryptocurrency with an anonymous anonymizing computer network. You can do all kinds of things that are going to be both threatening and helpful to society. Frankly, technologically, that's about as much as you need to know. How, how did you end up becoming a, 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 a sort of minor character in the film? Because you know, if I, I think about your career, I think about this transition that you've made from you know being in front of the camera to to, to directing these movies. But was that was that just something that happened organically in the in the process? It did. I, I really didn't want to do it. Yeah. Um, my favorite docs don't have narration. Yeah. And I sort of I come at every I come at every. I've made two documentaries. I come at, I come at these... 100% of them. Yes. I, <laughs> previously, I had come 100%. With Napster, I really didn't want narration. Yeah. Um, the, the story was so filled with these rich characters, yeah, yeah, yeah. it didn't need me imposing myself yeah. on it. Um, with Deep Web, we built, we built it. Um, and I had this fantastic editor who's cut a lot of really great documentaries. And we built it almost all the way through to the end without any narration. And... and it was funny because we felt like something was missing and we weren't quite sure what it was. And I realized, we both realized that, you know, I had become in the interim a part of this story. Mm. Um, and the story was absolutely my attempt to wrap my arms around what had actually happened. Mm. Given the enormous amount of access that I had and information, access not only to the Ulbrichs, but I got way inside the Silk Road. I met everybody mm. who mattered within that thing who hadn't been arrested, some of whom had been arrested. So I had huge access inside um, the Silk Road, inside the dark net, you know, through Andy Greenberg and, and um, other journalists, mm. huge access from that side. I had really good law enforcement access from the Department of Homeland Security. So there I was trying to untangle yeah. this knot. And I realized that I was, I was with, with my sort of, you know, NYU film school dog, dogmatism, mm-hmm. I was pre- preventing the movie from getting the voice that it needed. Yeah. And, um, and so I started to introduce myself as voiceover. I'm not all over it. Yeah. But it, it really does help the movie sort of take you – because I am like – I'm kind of like the audience in the sense that I probably know more about the net than some. But yeah. I, I am pretty much Joe Blow. I know less than Andy Greenberg and more than maybe Mom in, in Nevada. So – uh, I think I'm a pretty good way of walking through uh, the twists and turns. So, so you were you were saying earlier that you you know the, the way that you got into this initially was was that you were writing a, a script that you're writing a, a narrative script around this, and that's that's no, that was Napster. But 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 even but even before that, when you were getting in the early early oh, days, yes, the late nineties, mm-hmm. um, that what. 
I, I'm 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 kind of curious as to how how that happened. I mean, this is something you had like vaguely heard about. You know, you had spent some time on the internet, the early internet, and well, that story wasn't about technology at mm. all. Funnily enough, it was it was about it was around Ruby Ridge era, mm. and mm-hmm. it was about uh, Appalachian pot farmers. Okay, um, but not not like Scarface, yeah. like a family of of, yeah, Sc- yeah, yeah. of Scottish you know ancestry that had been in yeah. these hills for 350 years. They had been farmers. You know, it was all based on fact. I yeah. went and just researched all fact. They had been farmers for, you know, hundreds of years. Then they became moonshiners. Mm. And then they started growing, like, large-scale marijuana yeah. as a family farm. Again, not with machine guns and, and dirt bikes, yeah. but with the kids out in the field and <laughs> literally cultivating it like a, like a cash yeah. crop. Um, they used technology... Uh, you know, they were off the grid, didn't pay taxes, self-educated, but very bright, not rednecks. Um, and they used this technology to network. Mm. Um, and so I was uh, communicating with other people who did that because I wanted the film to be wholly authentic. Mm. Um, and that was, yeah, that was a script that I wrote. I think we were, you know, it was we had this we had Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick attached and Levon Helm. We had this amazing cast. It would have been you had insane. Levon Helm. We did. He was the he was the the original That's moonshining great. father. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was like the, you know, and it was oh. all about the sort of the demise of this family. Yeah. It was a really great project. It's one of those ones that gets away, you know. Yeah. Um, but it, it was, uh, you know, it sort of forced me into uh, examining that side of technology mm-hmm. when. Absolutely. I was very interested in the internet, but I was using it to like talk to people about like, you know, obscure jazz albums yeah. and you yeah. know, I was just like more what of a, most people Yeah, use I was just a doofus for. online. Yeah. 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 So so that's so let's talk about actually that 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 period the period leading up to to downloaded. Um you know, you had, you had made some films already, and you you had you had made. Which I, I, I my, my understanding is you don't like the title freaks. You're not a fan oh, yeah. of yeah. uh but um you know that what, what was a movie I think that had some studio backing and then yeah. some shit happened Michigan, above you yeah. and <laughs> yeah. um, but what, what what is this what is this period like for you in between that film and in between the the um, the, the success of, of downloaded are you just sort of trying to kind of find your way in the world um, well what happened was you know I started acting when I was like nine yeah. nine years old yeah and um, uh, I really had always wanted to to just make movies and so I you know I had actually I had acted on Broadway all through my teens and then I quit acting to go to NYU film school solely to write and direct movies I came out to LA you know and my roommate my part, directing partner Tom was delivering pizza and I really didn't want to deliver pizza yeah. so I called my old manager and, and she started getting me auditions and I just booked these movies yeah. and I did not I, I was actually directing that whole time I was directing commercials okay. and music videos yeah. and we had our show on MTV yeah, 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 the Idiot yeah. Box then we did Freaked, and Freaked was was not only a, a disaster in terms of our, our studio experience, <laughs> yeah. um, but it was also like the end of, of eight years of directing with my partner. Yeah. We didn't really we both wanted to go our separate ways, and so I really just wanted to take time and just find, kind of find my voice. Sure, but I was I was also a grown up. You know, yeah. I was married, I had kids, yeah. um, I had my own TV commercial production company. I was working like crazy, so um, I just kind of went to work and just started writing. Yeah, and um, and I made another film, which actually Joe, who lives here, shot as well, uh, called Fever in '98. Uh, it was only about five years after Freaked. I made my first independent movie, and that went to Cannes, and actually did really well for an indie. And then I just kind of got caught up in the downloaded thing for yeah. a while. I wrote downloaded at yeah. Paramount. It went to turn around, and I just kept making commercials and sort of doing my livelihood. I had another kid, sort of life takes over. Um, and at that point, I really had gotten very confident about my, my sort of voice, I guess. And um, I don't mean confident in a cocky way, just as much as sort of settled within mm-hmm. myself. Like, these are the kinds of stories I really feel like I want to tell. And that's when I decided to reshape Napster as a doc. Uh, and not that I only want to tell docs, but you sort of move into telling stories of this kind of nature. And that's really where most of my business has been. I've been writing hour-long dramas for TV yeah. and things like that as well. And I'm sort of moving myself more into telling those kinds of stories. Of course, now I'll probably go do Bill and Ted 3 and my life will change again. <laughs> that seems to be the curse. Like every time I kind of get settled yeah. doing what I want to do. You say that like it's a bad thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, you know, especially like, you know, there's, there's, there, there's going through, 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 through shifts in your life. But for most people, the, the, these shifts are like different levels of success. But it sounds like you found some sort of success in each one of them. I, I, I'm a, I'm a persistent person and I really, you know, I'm, I've been in the business. I learned lessons really young in the industry. And, um, you know, the, the thing is, is I, 
is I've been in the industry long enough to know I'm really lucky to be in the industry. I guess yeah. is a way of putting it. So and for as long as you've been and for as long as I've been, and so I'm willing I'm willing to do the work. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So you know, like you're saying, is like I wasn't sitting around, you know, twiddling my thumbs. Like in when I had downtime or when I couldn't get films off the ground, I was just out shooting or out yeah. writing or just perfecting you know my work. And and you know, it's it's I learned about rejection so young as an actor. I take it at face value. Mm-hmm. So if like, I've got like five or six movies that you're never going to know about yeah. that didn't get made yeah. that I spent a lot of time yeah. on. Um, and that's okay. You just sort of, you just keep moving and you hopefully, if you're working hard enough, you're sharpening the knife and you're getting better. That's the hope. Yeah. I guess, I guess it feels like, you know, there's a different, there's a difference in, in, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's crushing to go out for, um, you know, to go out for a part and not get the part, but it's, it's something entirely different when you, uh, have poured all of yourself into like a script, for example. Uh, especially, you know, it's, it sounds like, like that, uh, the, the platform you, you were, one you were making, like you had gone pretty far into that and you had people sign up. So that, isn't that, that's like a different, that's a different level of, 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 of pain? crushing, <laughs> yeah, crushing pain. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, the only, the upside to it is this though. It's like, yeah, it's painful. But you can convert – it's like fertilizer. You can Mm. convert that story into something else. Like I couldn't have come at the deep web story without having written that story. Like I know this world so well. Even the drug guys I was dealing with in the – I just know those guys. I spent so much time talking to people like that 20 years ago. Funnily enough, some of them are the same. There's people on Silk Road that have been selling drugs online for for like very successfully for like 25 years. You know, in fact, you know, there's a name that came up in the trial of Variety Jones, who and it was Variety Jones, that vendor who came up with the idea of the Dread Pirate Roberts mm. and instructed the systems administrator to call himself Dread Pirate Roberts and to assume an identity. That user, if you trace that user, that user's been around on the internet for like huh. 20 years in the drug in the yeah. drugs internet community. So, you know, I, I sort of was able to take a lot of the the you know the manure of that original project and use it as fertilizer. Yeah. Certainly, all the work I did on download it paid off, but it paid off 13 years later. It was crazy how long that took. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that, that you know that's uh, did do, did you have w- was was there a notion on the back burner the whole time that like no, no it was no, over it just, I walked away from it completely yeah yeah I was I was I'm pretty good about saying you know whatever enough of this I think what happened was was the whole um, you know uh, Trans Pacific Partnership certain things started to happen mm-hmm. SOPA yeah. Um, yeah. You know this sort of feeling that I had that the world was not actually waking up to what had yeah. happened. They were they were going backwards. They were sticking their head in the sand, um, and there was so much mythology and misinformation around the peer to peer movement um, that it, it sort of reawakened me, re-energized me. So like really, I, I didn't have anything to do with an abstract story for like five or six, maybe even seven years, um, and then uh, sort of all of these things started to hit the news hard, and I thought, I'm sitting on this story. I know everybody. It would take yeah. me five seconds to put a doc together. So uh, it was kind of like a bell went off in my head that that was the way to do it. It's just just that nobody, no, there was nobody out there who had told the story or right. nobody was yeah. telling it the way that you wanted to tell it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No one had the perspective on it. Not that I had some great perspective, yeah. but just because the people that I knew, yeah. I knew that you know these people knew what happened. Some of them had created what happened. Did you know the Did you know the Shans prior to making the the film? Oh yeah, you I mean, okay. I had I had Sean Fanning's life rights in two thousand and two, two thousand and three. Yeah, yeah. That sounds so ominous. Yeah. You had his well, life right. we paid for them. <laughs> he was happy. Yeah. You know, we didn't do anything with him. He yeah. Got paid, I think he got paid twice or even three times. The movie kept dying and getting yeah, rebuilt. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, know. they're both doing fine. They're doing fine. I mean, when I met them, they yeah. were living, you know, like dirt poor college students. Sean Parker was like couch touring it. Yeah. And um, they were they were still in their teens, you know, well, teens and, and early twenties. Is it is it hard? Like, and, and this, I think this is something that a trap you could have fallen in with both of these movies. But but is it hard to um, not take too, you know, to not paint these guys as like outlaw rock stars? I mean, that, that's the other that's the flip side of that story, right? Right. You're either telling the story of um, these crimes they're committing, and 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 you know, and all of our rights are in danger because of it, or you know, these mavericks that are out there, these like the, these cowboys. Yeah, I don't. Um, I think that that you know, and maybe to my own commercial detriment, I don't like telling stories like that. Yeah. I don't like watching stories like that. I think because I've been in show business since I was so young, 
because I've worked with really big stars when I was a kid and you realize they're just people and you realize the sheer level of mythologizing and BS that sure. goes on. Sure. Um, I don't, I, I just don't have a kind of that, that bone in my body mm. for telling a story that way. I have no interest in it. You know, to me, like I said, I'm interested in the gray. I'm interested in getting as far away from the black and white as I possibly can and, uh, and diving into the gray. Um, and not sort of either knocking somebody into the dirt or raising them up onto a pedestal. And I think that, I think part of that, you know, instinct comes from maybe even some of the Bill and Ted experience of just sort of like being, having your face on a cereal box, you know, and you're like, that is so alien to who I am. And I'm just like a guy who like rides the bus, you know what I mean? And, and, and so is Keanu. I mean, that's a funny, you know, it's like, and he embraced it maybe a little bit more than you did. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's a, he's a movie star and I'm not, and that's that's a, I I get the difference, but like, you know, just to even experience that, you know, for those couple of years where you really are just everywhere all the time inescapably and, and not in, again, it's not to denigrate it. There's parts of it that were really cool. It's not good or bad. It's in the middle. You know, it was like, there were days it was awesome. There were days it sucked, but I can tell you that all the time you go, that isn't me, mm. you know? And so I'm not going to tell a story about someone that I just know isn't them, yeah. you know? I, you know, I, I look, I look at uh, a movie like, like Freaks where you were doing, you were, you were co-directing it and you were in it. I mean, it, se- it seems like the, the transition you made was pretty gra- uh, gra- gradual, at least from, from that standpoint, that you were doing a little bit of both. Were you, um, were you expecting to be a, an actor and director at the same time, or were you really transitioning away from it? No, I was really trying to transition away, and, and, and the whole time I was doing, you know, Tom Stern, who I directed Freaked with, that's yeah. who I went to NYU with, we started directing at NYU together, and we directed as a team for years, Freaked was the end. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the whole time I was doing Bill and Ted's movies, Lost Boys, and all that jazz, yeah. we were shooting constantly. I was, my, my, it was really a weird moonlighting job. Mm. My day-to-day existence was as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. you know, all I was doing all day, every day was shooting because acting takes so little time. Yeah. You know, I'd go away and do Lost Boys while we were in the middle of a, a project. I'd go away and do Bill and Ted while we were in the middle of a project. And so eventually we were just like, shit, this is like taking so much of my time away. Yeah. We were working on Freaked. It's like, okay, if I act in Freaked, you know, at least I can be there, you know? And to me, it was like a swan song. Anyway, yeah. it was like, I told my, I mean, I actually got rid of my acting agents yeah. after Freaked. I was like, I love you guys. I'm not doing this anymore. Goodbye. You did. You did. You didn't. You just didn't really enjoy it. At that I just. Point? I. It was taking too much of my time yeah. away from okay. finding myself as a filmmaker, yeah. and I felt like, you know, I think that in a way it was sort of weirdly lucky. And again, I hate to look on a negative and sort of try to paint it as a positive. <laughs> That's a pretty good quality. I think. Yeah, I wish Freak had 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 a chance to come out in yeah. theaters and stuff, which it never did. But the upside of that was that Tom and I had kind of run our course with that style of stuff anyway. Had it come out and done well. Yeah. I would have been probably still doing, you know, yeah. acting yeah. and offbeat comedies all the time. And really all I wanted to do was, and my voice is so different from that as a filmmaker, I really just wanted to go away and just focus on that. And, and Fever for me was really an opportunity to do something really small, you know, really low risk that was just 100% my voice so I could sort of find my way from there. Um, it was. It's very hard to do when you've got all of the infrastructure of acting mm-hmm. on top of you because, you know, it's, it's, it's effort as, as, you know, as much as I fell into it sideways, obviously you have to audition. I mean, it's, it's effort to have sure. to maintain an acting career. Yeah. And so I was kind of at a crossroads where I was like, I had to ask myself, do I want to continue to put all this effort into this? Or do I just want to redirect all my energy into writing and directing, which also takes a ton of effort. And I just made a conscious decision. I actually moved out of LA. I just was like, okay, I'm going to, oh, wow. yeah. I'm going to cold cut turkey the cord, this, yeah. cut the cord. <laughs> I moved back to New York. Yeah. I started a production company in London. I kept going farther and yeah, farther. Yeah, yeah. Away, and I shot commercials in London for you like circle around years. eventually. Now <laughs> yeah, I eventually landed back in Los Angeles yeah. again, and now yeah. I'm doing probably doing Bill and Ted again. So, okay. yeah, um, I, I actually want to talk, I want to talk a little bit about the, the MTV show because it's, it's I, 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 I have very vague memories of it being on um, something that it's like you can't. Fine. It's like one of the few things you can't really find on YouTube that just isn't. Oh, like, it's on YouTube. Oh, it's on YouTube. Every okay. episode is on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. It's just it, it was it's such a sort of strange period there. And like yeah. I, I look at a show like that, and I look at again your um, the the early films you were making. And uh, do, 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 you, do you ever think? I mean, not not to sort of like l- lament your your timing in life, but do you ever think that if you had co- come along, that all these things had come along, you know, ten fifteen years later, that you would have had a smoother road, at least insofar as like being able to go from um, 
as far as actually executing the ideas you had, you know, like, um, you know, that, that, that it's just it's kind of easier to make things in a lot of respects now. Uh, maybe. I think that, that the upside, I think that, frankly, and it's also I, I, I'm as a person, I fundamentally refuse to accept fate as a as a yeah. as a factor in, in one's you know choices. I think that for me, the road w- went the way it did because I didn't want to do that stuff anymore. Yeah. You know, it went the way that it did because I didn't want to. I had done the zany comedy thing for a really long yeah. time, and it wasn't my voice as a filmmaker. I, it's really fun for me as an actor. So mm-hmm. By doing Bill and Ted Three, it would be super fun. I love acting in comedy. It's really, really fun. Um, but it really isn't my voice. And I knew that then. And I was already getting kind of frustrated. Even by the time I got to Freaked, I was kind of getting frustrated. So, you know, had that, had things, had all of that gone and gone more easily, um, I would have probably had to burn that ship down hmm. regardless and start over. Yeah. Um, because you get really pigeonholed. And yeah. with success, you get even more. When, you're, when you don't have, when it's a total disaster, yeah. no one is banging the door going, do more of those. You get you know? restless. Yeah, I actually got yeah. the opportunity. I had, you know, I was given an opportunity to just clear the deck and go do what I wanted to do. I would have had a lot more pressure on me yeah. had those things done well. I would have had pressure to Tom to like keep this thing going. Look, we've got a huge success. We've got to keep it yeah. going. Um, but it really wasn't what I wanted to do. And so, and I turned down a lot of other stuff around that time that was in that type of, of, um, uh, arena. Um, so I just knew that I think that, you know, because I had quit acting before already to go to film school, I kind of had already had experience going, you know what? Things will work out eventually. Yeah. Just go for it. <laughs> you know? Was it, you know, I think, as you said before, you know, you're making this, this film, you know, you were, you were speaking with the parents. They, they had seen downloaded. So they know, they knew what you were able to do, um, as, as far as making like a, a thoughtful documentary. But was there a period early on when you're, when you're making that first documentary, when you're still the dude from lost boys where it's you know where it's maybe a little bit harder to sort of uh get that uh, get that respect as a as a filmmaker yeah i think that's that's what happened with the kevin bacon movie i yeah. remember having okay. one i think i remember having one meeting with him you know it was an epic movie it was gigantic you know it's this sort of heartland america yeah. story of the demise of this family yeah. coming right off of freaked yeah you know and i remember sitting at a, at a restaurant on the upper east side with with kevin bacon you know we'd had all these discussions about it and he just looked at me he's like you know, it's like, can you do this? You know what I mean? Like, I was like, what yeah. are you, what? You think I'm like going to show up with like clown shoes yeah. on? Like, yeah. I can't not yeah. be funny. You yeah. know, we were laughing. It yeah. wasn't, a, it was funny. But sure, I think that when you're 25 or 26 and you're known for doing balls out weird comedy, yeah. you know, I think that some distance and some time. And frankly, for me, some life experience was a good thing. You know, I think that it helped inform those stories. Certainly the downloaded doc is better than the downloaded movie would have been 13 years earlier. I really believe that. And I just grown up a lot more, learned a lot more, been through a lot more. Um, so I feel like the, the life experience actually works out. You just have to, you know, as long as you have the persistence and you yeah. don't just give up. Yeah, and, and and from that standpoint, like I, I I've got to imagine on some levels the newer movie is easier to make just because you've you've got one under your belt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think that the, I, mean, I think there were, yeah there were moments when we made downloaded we were really just kind of foraging yeah. our way through the wilderness, and I had specifically and and pointedly hired a a narrative editor and not a doc editor because hmm. you know the movie had this kind of classical narrative structure because it was historical it happened already, uh, and I knew I wanted to kind of build it like a narrative. Um, and that was great. But with, with Deep Web, it was the opposite. It was a story happening in real time. And I knew that I needed to make it like a more of a traditional documentary with a doc, traditional documentary mm-hmm. editor. But I had more confidence because I had made one already. It would have been hard for me to do that out of the gate. I think I would have felt a little lost, frankly. Has your role in the, the production of, of the films changed at all? And what, what do you actually, you know, you, you had done a shoot earlier today and you're doing one after mm-hmm. we're done here. What, what, uh, what, what is a shoot like for you? Well, I mean, I, I'm literally, I'm a one man band. Okay. You know, so I write, I produce and I yeah. direct. Um, so, uh, do everything would actually hold the camera. Yeah. Well, no, I don't, I'm not that, I don't, I'm not the crew yeah. by any means. You know, I really have always relied. I just, I mean, I come at it sort of, you know, as a, from a filmmaking standpoint, like you're going to, you're going to craft the thing. It's got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you really surround yourself with amazing people. Um, and you know, Joe DeSava, who is shooting this for me, shot fever. We've shot commercials together all over the world for like 25 years. Um, and he's great and we have a shorthand and, um, and he's got a narrative vision and that impacts the movie. And mm-hmm. my editor, Dan Sweetlick, 
you know, he did an inconvenient truth and sicko and he's got a vision and that informs the movie. And so, you know, my point is like, for me, it's, uh, I absolutely sort of stick myself in the center of that wheel, but there are a lot of spokes on the wheel that I lean on really heavily and I expect them to, you know, to inform the project. Same with the narrative. It's always the same. You, you want to have good people around you that are going to make, you know, make the thing with you, craft the thing with you. And, and their sort of artistic eye and expertise builds it like you build it. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's kind of all consuming, but, but, uh, uh, you know, that's to me is that's, what's so great about making a doc It's yeah. like, you really do fashion something. I mean, you are, and you really don't, you know, there's not a whole lot of oversight. <laughs> what was the, um, so what, what was that initial idea? I mean, was it, was, was, was it to tell the story of, of the parents? Were they not central? at all? No. Funnily enough, the genesis of, of this idea came from Mark Schiller, who, um, Mark and I had worked together on downloaded and Mark, uh, uh, um, is sort of a, he's kind of an indie movie guru. He runs a company that does a lot of digital platforming, but they produce movies. Mm-hmm. They did, you know, exit through the gift shop and Senna and all these great movies. And he was like my right arm on downloaded once the movie was starting to get done with getting it out into yeah. the world using, you know, with the internet and, and creating the, the internet community that we did with downloaded, which is very important. Um, and I was actually working, uh, beginning another doc project with a producer named Glenn Zipper who did, uh, um, um, undefeated, mm. which won the uh, Oscar a couple of years ago, and Glenn and I were—I was doing a doc about children in show business, actually, uh, which was quite autobiographical. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Mark, we were still coming down off a of download, and Mark was like, "You know, all this shit's going on with deep web and Bitcoin and all of this stuff. It's yeah. like, you know, I'm assuming you're in the middle of it." I'm like, "Yeah, of course. I've been enmeshed in this for, yeah. for 15 years." He's like, "Well, why don't you, huh. why don't you do something there?" And we literally. I was like, oh, duh, what a good idea. We literally like hatched it right then and there and then got the Kickstarter going. And like, and then I started to put all the pieces together with Ross and Lynn and Kirk. And absolutely that came, I was coming at it much more from a historical Mm. cypherpunk to the present perspective. And then I just found this unbelievable human story at the center of it. And that became my movie. It's going to be interesting to to watch what actually, what, what, what happens in the community when it comes out. I mean, there's a really big difference between making... Uh, you know, movie ten years after the fact, and making movie really again, like in the height of it, especially when um, the internet is such an essential part. Uh, and and you know, I've got to imagine that you're going to be dealing with a lot of people who will have a lot of opinions about this thing and are going to be very very close to it when it comes out. Yeah, I think I think that it's going to be. You know, I don't. Um, I have a very um, uh, uh, philosophical attitude towards my work once it's done. Um, I work very hard to make sure I'm saying what I want to say yeah. and that the work is, is something I can stand by. Um, and I also know the internet community really well, 360 degrees around. Yeah. Um, and so I have, you know, but I don't really get caught up in how the response will be other than that I want enough people to see it and process it and have an opinion about it. Someone who has an intensely negative opinion to me is as valuable as somebody hmm. with an intensely positive opinion. Depends on how they express themselves, I well, guess. There's I'm, a like lot I of said, just I've been, I've been doing this yeah. for you know, so yeah. long. Like I remember getting my first negative review. I was probably 12 years old. Yeah. I remember being backstage with Yul Brynner at The King and I. And... Uh, <laughs> And I got a, I got a sorry, pan, sorry. <laughs> I got a pan in a magazine, yeah. right? I mean, they they loved the show yeah. and they hated me, right? Like of all the people, yeah. like I'm in the the show for like ten minutes, you know, and the show's great except for this guy, right? And I remember going up to Yul Brynner and going, I was like, man, this this is so devastating. And he just was like, he didn't get mad at me because he was very gentle, but he just said, he said, you can't. He says, you can't do this. He's like, yeah. he goes, let me tell you something now and just don't do this again. He yeah. goes, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, you go to a restaurant, half the people don't like the food. The other half thinks the food is great. He goes, you can't get emotionally caught up in this stuff. And I honestly, that's been my MO ever since. And I don't really, I, it sounds it sounds glib. I really don't care on a certain level yeah. if there is sort of vocal protest, pro, protesting it's about inevitable, it. It's inevitable, right? Because it's inevitable. Yeah. And I also... You know, I don't mean to sound smug, but I know more about the story than most of the people that I know that are writing about it that are experts just because I've been living it for a year and a half. So I feel rock solid about what I'm presenting. Um, And there are people with really who I actually care about a lot with really hard and fast opinions that I happen to know are completely unbased in the truth. They don't know that. I can't say anything. Some of this has got to do with a federal criminal trial. Yeah. And they're friends of mine, and they're still saying shit that complete, makes no sense as if it's hard and fast yeah. fact around this case. And I've heard news stories from news organizations that I care about a lot, you know, that I think are cool and are progressive, that are completely clickbait mm. and provocative and totally inaccurate. Sure. 
Um, and frankly, if I was, you know, if I had a stake in this case on either side, that would drive me insane. But I am pretty neutral. I'm just a guy telling the story. It's not. It's not going to impact me that much. I'll be off to the next thing by the time that stuff starts. It's happening. just. It's. It's so. It's so hard. And and you know my relatively limited experience in in, in shooting, um, doing documentary uh, style shoots. It, it. The line. The line between human interest and fluff is is a tough one to walk. You know, especially when, you know, in 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 a in a big way. Technology is going to have to be a really big character in the story, right? I mean, that's that's why that's why you're telling the story, in a sense, yes. right? That's that's what made the story happen. Um, so it's hard to sort of go over here and decide. Well, you know, but it's actually, it's about the people. It's about it's about their lives being impacted. Um, how how do you do that without stepping away too much from the technology? Because it's about the humans getting caught up in the technology. Yeah. That's why, because the human story is about Ross and his connection to technology. It's mm-hmm. about Lynn. And her immersion in the technology and the human rights aspects of these technologies is specifically about the intersection between these human beings and the technology. Yeah. So it's not like I don't have to step away. It's not about the family and going on family trips. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not it's not that story. It's 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 less like that than probably other movies that really yeah. get into sort of hanging out with the family and watching them do family things. Everything that I cover in the story is about the trial or the technology. It never steps away from that for a second. On on the flip side of that, do you, do you have do you have somebody looking over your your shoulder telling you like I think you're a little too much into the weeds on this? Like I think oh, you've, gone, yeah. <laughs> you've got a little too deep into the dark web. I don't yeah. think anyone's gonna have any idea what of you're course, talking. Of course, that's about. what that's what Mark and Glenn yeah. and even Dan are for. Yeah. It's like you know, it's it's I have built I had built stuff that I just undid. You yeah. know, I, I I feel like I finally got my hands around explaining Bitcoin in this really really clear way. Yeah. But I realized that. No one else is going to know what the hell I'm talking about for the most part, and I had to undo it. Yeah, it's – I mean Bitcoin kept getting pushed you know, <laughs> further and further out of this yeah. movie. There's li- I mean I literally – there's almost no Bitcoin left in this that's, movie at all. That, that's, that's funny actually because I, 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 I'd written a, a piece about, about it recently, I think when the, when the trailer came out, and I noticed uh, when I went back and looked at the Kickstarter that it has Bitcoin in the title, and I yeah. think it's been dropped. It has, right? yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean it's – because as you said, yeah. it's like – how far into explaining yeah, yeah. Tor do you go? How far into explaining Bitcoin do you go? How much does Bitcoin literally have to do with yeah. the story in terms of bit off what, more than you could chew? Yeah, it's like it's yeah. too. It becomes too broad, and you know, and the story needs to get you know, it needs to start in the general and wind its way into mm-hmm. the specific, you know, during the course of the film where you don't have a film. And frankly, to me, Bitcoin, you know, and frankly, other movie, you know, the the you know, the rise and rise of Bitcoin came out. Other movies came yeah. out about Bitcoin. I and I started to feel a little less pressure on myself to explain this thing because I'm like really people really care there's a lot of information about Bitcoin out there now it's like very different than when I started this a year and a half ago when there was really none but you know Gavin Andreessen and you know and and the Coinbase guys and this is exhaustive material Mm -hmm. I have and all of that I could make another movie out of but it it won't be in this one (laughs) Yeah, and 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 that that's 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 really what you're running up against is is, is something that takes a year or even a couple of years to, to to work on. It's hard to make that a contemporary film. I mean, unless unless you're uh, unless you're willing to shift things around, you know, unless well, unless, unless it becomes can, a different yeah, movie, yeah. and you have to figure out where your movie is. That's yeah. the fun of making a doc, and I think the you know, significance of making to to yourself as a filmmaker making a doc that's happening, excuse me, in real time is. You have to focus on where the story is, yeah. and that's at the expense of stuff where the story isn't. With downloaded, I, I was I had the benefit of, I'd written the movie over a course of several years, so I'd spent all that time determining where I felt the story was, and I had really concretely dis- dis- decided then, twelve years ago, that had nothing to do with piracy. Mm. So by the time I got to making the Napster doc, and I caught flack for this, and I knew I would, I knew I wasn't going to put piracy in the movie. Because in my perspective, Napster had nothing to do with piracy on any level. So I didn't want to tell that story. I thought it was a waste of time. Hmm. And it was was a story that had been told mostly inaccurately by everybody else already. And so I didn't waste any time. Like if I had gone to make the Napster doc in real time, I'd have been like, okay, i got to spend 30 minutes just focusing on piracy. And then I probably would have gotten to the end of the movie yeah. and been like, oh, I got to get rid of all this because yeah. it's, it's irrelevant. And, you know, with this story, I didn't have that benefit. I mean, I was really learning on the job. Yeah. I was really getting into the trenches and meeting the cypherpunks and meeting everybody and, and getting my head around it. 
And I really thought Bitcoin was going to play a much bigger part than it did. What did you have at, at the time that you you, you were actually uh, you actually put the Kickstarter page up? I mean, was there any was there any semblance of a movie there yet? Yeah, yeah, I had actually a structure in my head that I've that I've stuck to in a way. Yeah. Funnily enough, I had a three act structure in my head. Um, I knew that I wanted to explore the this sort of like hyper demonized, hyper criminalized area of the internet that I knew was not. Um, uh, a nefarious area yeah. of the internet. I knew that I started there. I knew that that was sort of a thesis because um, that's how I felt about this area of the internet since the, the early nineties. Um, and I knew who to talk to and I knew most of them already. And I knew I had access that a lot of other people didn't have. And, you know, we optioned Andy Greenberg's book, mm-hmm. uh, this machine kills secrets. You know, I had access to a lot of the cypherpunks. I had access to the deep web people. Um, I was quickly able because of my internet connections to get up inside Silk Road. Uh, it was it had been down by then, but or it was mostly, but uh, but I was able to get up inside. You know the the people that that mattered there um, pretty rapidly. So uh, by the time I got to the Kickstarter, I knew I could. T- I was not about to embark on yeah. that thing without knowing that I had you know, the story. And I could have told the story without the Albrechts. It would have been a different story, but I was fully prepared to do that. It would have been really almost fundamentally from inside mm-hmm. the Silk Road. How, how, how much time were you spending in front of the computer? You know, was, how did your wife feel about all this? <laughs> like, I, I've got to imagine, because obviously it's a part of your job, but you're like, it's, we all sit in front of a computer for part of our, our job, but you're going, like, you're going deep, man. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, I mean, there. it just depends on what you're doing. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, the thing is, is, is a lot of people... There's this great quote that Amir Takai has in the movie where he's talking about building these new, you know, ar- you know, this new architecture, technology architecture with open source technologies. He's like, you know, I'm not talking about the this, this, the yuppie apps, your angry birds, yeah. you know, and he goes on yeah, this yeah. whole wonderful rant. And, and I would say I fall into that camp where like I'm, I'm on – I was on the computer as much as anybody, but yeah. I just wasn't on Facebook. Okay. You know what I mean? I was on tour. But you weren't, yeah. you weren't like – she wouldn't wake up in the middle of no. you know, four in the morning I'm and not you were that like – you were yeah. touring it up. Okay. No. No, I'm pretty methodical. So I was like, I've, you know, I know how to use P- PGP. I was able to find the, the encryption keys yeah. for all the people that mattered so I could verify them immediately. I got to people. The, the, the reason I did a Kickstarter, um, because we didn't go out with that to raise much money. Mm. We went out after it to create a community, which we did. Yeah. Um, and I also did it to, uh, to stick my head out of the foxhole and say we're here. Yeah. And I got a lot of my inside Silk Road people through the Kickstarter. I had a PGP key. They were emailing me going, here's how to find me. Let's meet. Let's talk. And I was able to actually separate the wheat from the chaff for a while and figure out who there mattered, who there was kind of full of it. Um, and then, and who had the story and that all happened around the time of the Kickstarter. Was, was the Kickstarter a, a barometer? I mean, were you gauging whether people were interested enough in sure. this to go ahead? Yeah. I yeah. think that, the, that that's what I like about the, you don't make the money, you don't get the money yeah. aspect yeah. of Kickstarter. And I love Indiegogo. Yeah. Like I love all of it. I don't, yeah. I don't like some kind of weird Coke over Pepsi guy with that mm-hmm. stuff. I think it all is good um, and super helpful. But, um, but for us, it was like, okay. If it, if we bomb out, then I'm going to keep making my other dock, and yeah. you know we'll go on with business as usual. We had a huge response, and um, you know, and even people who were not in the tech community were like, "I'm very interested in the story. I find this very compelling. I want to know more." Uh, so it did fuel us. It certainly did fuel us. Wait, when you say when you say my other dock, are you referring to download it or no? The, I was going to make this dock on on Showbiz Kids. I was okay. working. Oh, on the, the yeah, time. sorry. Yeah. yeah, is that is that off the table? It is for the moment because now I got other stuff going on. Okay, yeah. well that's good. You're, yeah. you're keeping busy. Yeah, you keep you keep mentioning the, the the third Bill and Ted. That's that's official. That's on the table. It's getting there. Well, yeah. I mean, on the table means that that uh, I can't use that. The uh, you can get it a blockbuster analogy anymore, can I? Because there's no such thing. Um, Red box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Movies are never greenlit until they're available. Uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, is the, that's my old motto. Yeah. But um, but we are we're pretty damn close at this yeah. point. So and that's something you're happy to go back to. Well, we've been working on it for a long time. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just the four of us. It was just me and Keanu and, and Chris and Ed, the two writers. Yeah. And um, I mean, you know, so again, we can't be dismissive of it. We really put a lot of energy into yeah. trying to make it work, and and we love the script and we love the idea and just the sheer absurdity of revisiting these guys twenty yeah. some odd years later who are not going to have changed and um so it's going to be a lot of fun to play the character comedy in it is really those guys write great character comedy so you know keanu and i have both been you know really jazzed at the idea of of playing these guys in that scenario Mm. um and then we brought our old producer back on a producer from the original two scott and uh and then we found dean pariso who wanted to direct it who we love who did like galaxy quest and Mm. all that stuff and then we went and found the money so 
we have all the pieces. It's Hollywood, so it could all fall apart. But yeah. we we ostensibly do have the movie in pretty good shape at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I mean it sounds like you've, you know, got, you've got to be pretty invested in if you guys are actually going out and finding the funding yourselves. You know, it's not yeah. somebody didn't just it didn't fall into your lap. Hey, let's let's. Well, do the a funny big thing about cow. Bill and Ted is, even though you know, it's not. They're look, they're not like you know Maya Darren experimental yeah. movies or anything, but they're not mainstream movies. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. first two were yeah, not Hollywood weird. studio movies. <laughs> they weren't. You know, they we. They were hard to put together. Yeah. Bill and Ted One was hard to put together. Bill and Ted Two was hard to put together. Were you that? Were you that involved in, in the, the second one? In the second one, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, these have never been like the studio just goes here's a blank check. The studios yeah. have never really known what to what to make of Bill yeah, and yeah, Ted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, in an interesting way. I mean, the first one was probably a bit of a fluke that it, it was like, a total fluke. It yeah. sat on a shelf for a year and a half. Oh, we really? we yeah. gave up on it. We yeah. totally thought it was it was never going to see the light of day. And you, and you feel and you feel comfortable just uh, returning to the you know, to, to acting again because you've got all this other stuff in your belt and, you know, you can... I, acting is something that... It's a funny thing. There's a duality to it, which some people handle better than others. Mm-hmm. I think that even though I have a lot of experience in, in, in the public eye to my limited degree compared to a, a you know, much bigger star, um, I really like my privacy. I really like, you know, just sort of kicking around in the world. I yeah. don't like that that sense that you've been sort of separated and turned into something... Um, you know, and, uh, that's the part I really don't look forward to, <laughs> you know, um, I love, I love fans. Like yeah. I love people cause you know, I'm, I get people coming up to me every single day and they sure. always have since sure. they did the first, that yeah. never stopped. Yeah. Fans are awesome. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just that sort of, that sort of like sort of public media eye on that level because it just comes at you in such a weird way. Um, uh, that's just, that's what I look forward to the least. The, the actual job of acting it's been second nature to me since I was a kid. Yeah. So that I, it will be fun and in, in, in a way quite easy. Um, it's all the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you know, you certainly, you've heard, you've heard stories of people who've been able to continue, continue acting. I mean, there's, you know, there's stage, there's all sorts of other things that you could yeah, have been sure. not necessarily have been, yeah, but I, you yeah. just, you really wanted to sever the cord. It sounded like I did because I really felt like it was preventing me from finding my voice as a filmmaker. Mm. I think now I'm a, I'm a lot, I'm very comfortable yeah, yeah. where I am as a filmmaker. Um, I'm, so it's, I, I don't look at it as threatening to me the way I did when I was in my mid twenties yeah. and you're young and idealistic. And I felt like, Oh, I really, you know, I'd been doing it since I was 10, yeah. Yeah. you know, it was like, I really need to stop. And I think that also, frankly, um, in terms of my own development as just a, a human being, I needed to stop. I think that, you know, child acting will stunt certain aspects of your development. Sure. hundred sure. percent. There's no way yeah. around that. You may have the best parents on yeah. the face of the earth and it will still screw you up on some level. Mm-hmm. It is not the organic incubator for, for development. Right. <laughs> Obviously. So I think that by my mid, by my mid twenties, for my own yeah. mental well-being, yeah. I needed a break, and obviously that's not an issue anymore. Was 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 directing the new movie? Was that ever on the table for you? Um, not really. No. I mean, I I don't have the the, I, I you know we sort of kicked the idea around because yeah. they you know it, it was sort of brought up, but uh, I don't I just don't have the. Uh, it's funny because you know when you do these the Bill and Ted movies we're in like every single scene and we play like multiple versions yeah, of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a it's a ton of work and and. Um, I didn't think that I would actually do that great a job if I had to focus on yeah. playing Bill. And then once we got Dean, it was like, you know, not sure. no false modesty, sure. but like I'd much rather have Dean Pariseau direct this movie than have me direct this movie. There had to have been a point yeah. in your life when you there was no way you were going to do another one, right? Yeah. I think Keanu and I both felt that way for, <laughs> until right about we came yeah, up with the yeah, idea yeah. for yeah. this one. Yeah, we yeah. would laugh about it. That's you know, we'd be like, there's no effing way we're doing yeah. another one of these movies. And like, and... uh and then, yeah, then one night the, the four of us were at dinner and, like, we had an idea and we just almost, like, all choked up on our food laughing so hard at the idea of it. And we were like, oh, shit, we should actually do this. Yeah. And then it kind of started to come to life. It's, cr- it's crazy you think of, like, how many few how few instances there are in your life when you can actually, like, pinpoint the moment that something yeah. happened, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, get, you get a few – I feel like you get, like, maybe, like, a half dozen of them in a lifetime. So yeah. it's kind of nice when that – Yeah, and after this after this collapses and doesn't get made, then we can have sort of anecdotal conversations about it. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, so the next the next month is just is finishing up the film and then South, South by? Yeah. Um, I'm really – yeah, I'll be knee-deep in post uh, for the next, like, five or six weeks yeah. and then yeah south by and then a bunch of other festivals and then it will premiere epics is who made this movie uh the epics network and so it will premiere on uh it'll broadcast premiere on epics 
um, in the spring, later spring, and then it'll go out internationally and all over yeah. Netflix and iTunes and all that stuff. Sounds like you like talking about it. You know, a lot of people don't. A lot of people just like to kind of have it out in the world and sort of distance themselves from it. Yeah, it's funny. It's like I may feel differently once it's done. Um, and that's what the funny thing is that's when I really have to start talking about mm-hmm. it. But like right now, um, so I got you at a good time. You caught me at a really good time. <laughs> it's like the trial just happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just left Lynn and Kirk's. You know, yeah, they're yeah. super energized, like working on an appeal. Yeah. Well, you know, it's got to be down <laughs> well they're not happy yeah. but they're super energized yeah, yeah. like my yeah. point is it's the level of passion is yeah, what i'm yeah. talking about yeah. it's like i don't feel super happy about this movie it's been one of the frankly most emotionally draining experiences yeah, of my sure. life yeah. you know it's like especially coming from acting it's like you can't yeah you end up kind of associating emotionally with you know and dealing with someone who's going through a trial where they're facing the rest of their life in jail even if you know you 100 percent want them to go to yeah. jail it's still like it's a lot, you know. Well, that's that's one of the things that downloaded had in has in common with you know your your acting jobs is in in both both of those cases you know what the ending was. Yes, and and here like and that that's why I think that's why it's in your head so much is you don't yeah. you're, you're living it. Yeah, it's been a roller coaster. Yeah, it has been a roller coaster, and um, and of course for Lennon Kirk it will continue to be for however much longer of their lives they they are in this fight. Um, but is the story over for you? I mean, do yes. You, Okay. Yeah, the story's over for me. I mean, I want to. I want to tell the story. I want to get it out. Yeah. I've got two other projects I want to move on to, and um, I don't intend to track this. There is one other story in tech. Yeah. I'm, I really want to try to tell if I can. If I can get it. Excuse me. If I can get it financed, yeah. that does involve someone else who's caught up in the legal system around technology. Uh, but I'm gonna sort of see if I can put the uh, money together for it for your own sanity you need to just move, move away for my own sanity bit. I shouldn't do that movie at all <laughs> I'm even thinking about doing yeah. it it's like makes me want to throw up frankly but I, I feel like it's a story that needs yeah. to be told and I don't see anyone else telling it so I, I th- and, and I think again like you said before I, th- I think you know you're, the, the story you, you tell is going to be very different you know six months from now when you're actually when you're not in the neck of making the movie exactly yeah yeah, yeah. There you go, that was Alex Winter, uh, recorded in a kitchen in Tribeca, uh, not belonging to Alex. He, he, he lives in Los Angeles, and I think very, very, very clearly not belonging to me because I am a podcaster and therefore cannot afford to live in Tribeca. Uh, uh, belonging to some, some very, very nice friends of his who, whose names I wish I wish I had written down so I could thank them on the show, but they were, they were very polite, letting, letting me uh, over to their place on a Saturday morning to speak to Alex at, at length in, in their kitchen. I got some water. It's great. It was a great experience. I met an adorable dog. Uh, wonderful, wonderful all around. So thank you so much to them for for uh, for letting us do that. Um, thanks, uh, thanks of course to Alex for for sitting down for that conversation. Um, he was uh, so he lives in LA, but he was in town uh, filming the, the the final scenes for Deep Web, uh, really down to the wire. So this was. Um, Early uh, early February, and the movie uh, just just debuted at South by Southwest uh, or, or earlier this week, uh, or I guess late last week when you're hearing this on uh, on Sunday. But um, really, you know, really, really some last last second, but uh, last second recording. But you know, he's clearly got this whole thing down to science. He's been doing documentaries for a while. Uh, he did, as we we spoke about it at length. He did um, downloaded, which is the the nap the Napster story at Deep Web dealing with the. Silk Road, so he was uh, in New York uh, uh, filming the, the trial for that. Doing some really, really fascinating stuff. Um, I, you know, if I'm being perfectly honest, uh, it, it took me it took me a little while to, you know, I've, I've been following a lot of what he's been doing, and I've seen his films, and they're great, but um, it, you know, it, it did take me uh, a couple of minutes to change the, the fact that I was sitting uh, across a um, stainless steel table in a Tribeca kitchen talking to Bill S. Preston. Um, but, you know, clearly has, has gone on to do some really fantastic stuff. And this is this is somebody I, I'm, I'm really happy, and, and I've been uh, wanting to set up an interview with him for a while. I think he's a really good example of somebody who's been able to really just kind of reinvent himself over and over again. I mean, he's been in show business since he was a, a small child, and um, of course, you know, had a very iconic role in, in Bill and Ted, and, and Lost Boys, um, but uh, has since gone on to have a very, very successful career on the other side of the camera. I didn't bring up Bill and Ted. I, I want that. I want that noted on the record. Go back and listen. I was not the first person to mention it. He talked about it, so of course I had to ask him about the third movie, which sounds like it's a it's a go. So I'm very excited about that. Very excited to see Deep Wed, which I um, I should 
email somebody. I haven't had the opportunity to, to do that. It was, it was, you know, usually, usually if you're going to interview somebody who's, who's who's making a movie or has a new album, a new book, you want to get it um, in advance. Uh, you know, kind of cram a little bit. Um, and I, I spoke to his. Uh, his PR rep who told me no. As a matter of fact, you cannot see this movie because this movie is still quite quite a ways from, from being finished. Um, I think uh, I think it was announced like a day or two before it debuted at South by that uh, that Keanu was the the, uh, the narrator for that. So I did not know that at the time of the interview. All the more reason uh, uh, to watch it. But it's really sure to be a very very fascinating story. So thank you so much to, to Alex for doing that. Thank you to the um, anonymous but very nice people who let me use their kitchen and give me some water during the interview for letting me use their kitchen and giving me some water and letting, them, letting me meet their adorable dog. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks to Brian and Odie for editing the show together. Uh, thanks to everybody at the Boing Boing Podcast Network. If you like the show, there are many other shows. You can check those out over at iTunes. And while you're over at iTunes, you should take the opportunity to, to rate the show if you like what you heard. And lots and lots of back episodes for, for you, you guys to listen to if you, if you did like it. Um, the first and best place to get all those episodes is over at our Tumblr. It's our riylcast.tumblr.com. About 100 episodes in, and I'm still unable to say the name of my own show. Uh, if you want to send us an email, it's riylcast at, uh, at gmail.com for feedback or anything else of, of that nature. Uh, we uh, ooh, This is episode 97, so we're coming up on, uh, on, on episode 100. We've got a couple of uh, exciting things lined up for that. Uh, oh, Facebook. Another another place where you can follow in on on the action. Um, you should you should like us do do things that people do to things over at Facebook. Uh, we uh, coming up uh, next week. I don't know. I, I you know lots of good shows to choose from. I'm gonna pick one from. You'll enjoy it. That much I can guarantee. Uh, we'll be back just about this time next week with another episode of R I Y L.